That's where I come in. Excuse me. Uh, by asking if it was diet, she took it as you trying to imply that you thought she was fat. Go get a red rose, get a regular Coke, tell her she's everything you never knew you always wanted. Any problems, give me a call. From Columbia Pictures. Did you ever hear this guy they call the date doctor? Urban myth. Really? Absolutely. I was told you were the guy that helps guys like me. Nobody's perfect. That's pathetic. Pathetic. But one man. My name is Alex Hitchens. Call me Hitch. Can help you come close. Let me give you my number. Do you have a pen? He's very wholesome. His raps don't have any fuck words in them. Well, he doesn't have to cuss in his raps to sell records. Uh, well, I do. As, so and, fuck him and fuck you. Yeah, too. okay. We should actually bring that up too. Let's bring <laughs> that up too. We have so much to talk about. So much to break down. Uh, the okay. So real quick. So nested flashback here to Eminem. Real quick. So um, ass like that. Uh, my wait. Under- bring it up because of what I said. So okay. So. For it, it, I'm there's a good chance this is going to make the episode. Um, Nadia sent me a text earlier this week that said, I don't think Eminem's ever going to top Mom's Spaghetti, <laughs> uh, which is probably true. I mean, Lose Yourself is a great song, it won an Oscar, um, represents him it's probably <laughs> at his technical peak. Um, it's kind of a weird line, but everybody remembers it, we're still talking about it. <laughs> And then I sent Nadia a screenshot of the lyrics to Ass Like That, a song which came out, like, less than two years after Lose Yourself, in which part of the refrain is, the way you move it, you make my pee-pee go doing, doing, doing. And... It physically hurts my body when I laugh about this. And, like, my understanding... So that album, uh, that track was on the album Encore, which was the last album Eminem did, Eminem did before he went into rehab. Uh, and my understanding of 12-step recovery programs, at least as they're depicted in culture, is that there is a moment when you hit bottom. <laughs> and it's like when you realize, you're like, oh, this problem has, this addiction, this disease has over has overtaken me and I need help. And it had to have been that. <laughs> My pee pee. <laughs> like, for, like, and again, the video for this song, if you have never seen it, Eminem was in the middle of a feud, this is real, with Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who's not real. It's Robert Smigel holding a puppet. <laughs> and... And, oh, it's so good. Like, got into a fight with him at the red carpet at, like, the VMAs or something, and then recorded a video where he was making fun of Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. And then Eminem was also a regular, a series regular on Crank Yankers on Comedy Central at this point in his career, too. <laughs> so there was a point in my life where I was a very big Eminem fan. Yeah, <laughs> so, I can tell. I'm like, whoa. So, like, the Crank Yankers. Details. Yeah, puppets are in the video. Triumph is in the video. He's you like, love the video because you love puppets. Yeah, well. <laughs> Goes without saying. Um, the Triumph is in the video. It, he's, like, affecting Triumph's accent the whole time. And then he was like, I need to, I need to get help. I need to do this for <laughs> Haley. Uh, and, uh, and then he, and, and then he literally took five years off of making music <laughs> to yeah. get sober. 
You know, like, you know when in the improv community, you know when someone's been doing a lot of improv, when they start improvising about improv. Oh, yeah, the meta meta scene. Yeah, you need to live more of a life to get more material and stuff. Like, I feel like that happened with him. (laughs) He's like, mom, spaghetti. Pee pee go doing doing doing. I gotta take a break. But uh, anyway, anyway, I wanted to talk to you about since we're going to be discussing Hitch today. Yes, a wonderful romantic comedy directed by Andy Tennant. Um, did you hear about Jada Pinkett Smith taking herself to the red table? No. So I I heard that it happened. I don't know any of the details. Okay. So. The the T is, so J- Jada Pinkett Smith has a red table talk with the women in her family, and they bring people to the red table to, like, be real about stuff. Mm-hmm. And she c- took herself to the red table, and Will Smith sat in her normal seat at the red table to ask her about her entanglement with another man while she was separated from Will Smith for a period of time a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh it, this person is one of her son's friends, which freaks me oh, out. Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, and but the weird part is, is Will Smith is interviewing her and is clearly in emotional pain during the interview. Uh, he, he seems on the verge of tears multiple times. Uh, they talk about how they were having a lot of marital problems and... Then she calls it an entanglement, and he's like, "No, no, no! It was in a, it was a relationship." And Ooh. it was like really sad to see Will Smith so upset. God, it was it was pretty dark. If anybody wants to check it out, I'm sure there are some more clips on Twitter. Um, there's yeah, no, something I... popped up about it today that's like even more details about what's going on. But I didn't want to look. I, I was too sad for Will. I think like I think any couple is fucked up that names all of their kids after themselves. <laughs> And I know Willow. I know, like, yeah, Willow and Jaden, right? Yeah. There's a third one, though. Oh, there is. I think he's might be from the his first marriage. Oh, okay. see, this is the stuff that we need to know for the pod. Well, the thing about <laughs> the thing about Will Smith is like he doesn't do a ton of press. Yes. Um, because, and I assume it's because he's an insane person. I honestly get that vibe. A lot of people are like, oh my God, dude, you, you got to look at Will Smith's Instagram. And I'm like, I, I can't. It When I do, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. I, thi- <laughs> I think he's like, because he's a Scientologist too. Um, what? He is? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. We can't be talking about this. <laughs> Welcome back to Probably Should Have Known Better, where we discuss and celebrate comedy that ages poorly. I am Nadia Vasquez, and I have food sensitivities. And as always, I am joined by Tony Ginocchio, who's a sensitive guy. Well, thank you. That's so kind. You know, Nadia, I I had something I wanted to say at the top of this episode, which is that, you know, I feel like every day the world gets worse to some degree, or at least I'm hearing about worse stuff that happens, and, and I, I really do sincerely mean this. I always look forward to getting to hang out with you. Um, it is a bright spot in my week, and I like to think of it as this being a podcast measured not in the number of breaths that we take, <laughs> but 
in the number of moments <laughs> that take our breath away. Thank you, Chicken Soup, for the soul. <laughs> that was great. I also have a really great time and look forward to this. I don't look forward to watching the movies we pick every time. Yeah. But I do look yeah. forward to chatting about them. Yeah. Um, and a real inter- like a real interesting pick for this week. Yes, I was the one who picked this one because it happened to be on after RuPaul's <laughs> Drag Race on VH1 a couple weeks ago and I just couldn't not pick it. It is Hitch. A movie, the 2000- a movie <laughs> that above all happens to be on. Yes. I I okay, I love watching a movie on TV cuz you get the commercial breaks. I I personally think all movies should have a built-in commercial every once in a while because having this to keep track of one storyline for two hours has become difficult for me in the age of everything being three minutes long. So so uh, it was great because it was so bad and I could get many snacks in between and complain. Yeah, guys, you have seen this movie, I'm assuming, because everyone saw this movie, as we'll learn, uh, and it... it, it it was on. It has been on TV continuously <laughs> for the past fifteen years. And it will never stop. And if if you're like me, and your podcast co-host texted you, "Let's watch Hitch next," you probably <laughs> thought, "Oh yeah, I've seen this a couple times. I remember it being a pretty conventional rom com." But you'd be wrong. Yeah, this is one of the weirdest movies. <laughs> Just so much about it is terrible structure-wise, character-wise, just content-wise. There is a there is a scene in here that is liter- le- legitimately one of the most bizarre things I have ever seen in a comedy. Um, is it the food allergy scene? It's not the it's not the food <laughs> allergy scene. It's the Ellis Island scene. Which That's we'll, also terrible. We'll get to. We will get to. But before we get into it, I wanted to ask Tony, what have you been watching or uh, reading or listening to during this quarantine as we continue to shelter at home? Yeah. Uh, so uh, I've been uh, I've been jamming on some B sands, which is what really cool people like me call reading fantasy author Brandon Sanderson. Ooh, okay. Uh, Sanderson uh, uh, has written a lot of stuff. He he also finished the Wheel of Time series after Robert Jordan died, uh, which I have not read yet. But um, he is he wrote a, a trilogy, which I think you would really love, Nadia, called the Mistborn uh, trilogy. Uh, Ooh, okay. I'm and, writing this down. And uh, it's great. Uh, you know, teenage heroine leading an uprising in a fascist uh, fantasy world. Hell yeah! Um, but Sander- oh, Sanderson's so interesting because he's a big he's big into uh, what he refers to as hard magic systems, and what that means is <laughs> the magic in his you know in his books and his universe is he's gonna fucking explain to you how it works. Oh, and, tight! And, and that never happens, right? And you're gonna get it, you're gonna understand it, and it's gonna make your enjoyment of the story that much better. Uh, it's not like you know, and, and we talk about J.K. Rowling a lot on this podcast because we're. <laughs> Uh, really big fans of taking away her internet connection <laughs> and um, you know there's a, a, a as good as the world building in Harry Potter can be there's a lot of plot holes in yeah, those stories um, and Sanderson doesn't have those uh, and and I really enjoyed the Mistborn trilogy and I just started reading um, his like kind of big magnum opus which is a 10 book set which Whoa. is only partially finished uh, called the Stormlight Archive 
Um, the one thing I will say about Sanderson is um, he is apparently a practicing Mormon uh, and is, in oh. fact, a creative writing professor at BYU. Oh. Um, so on the one hand, I am not in a hurry to find out what he thinks about trans people. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, he doesn't post about it, which I appreciate. And when he was an undergrad at BYU, he was roommates with Ken Jennings. So it's, no yeah. way! So it's possible that he is a cool Mormon. Okay. I know a lot of cool Mormons. That's why I didn't, you know, shudder with fear when you said Mormon. Uh, Mormons can be cool. They can be. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah what, about, awesome. what, what about on your end, Nadia? Um, well, first I want to say thanks for the recommendation. I have been rereading Paul Feig's books. Mm. Uh, I think he's just so funny. But I am running out of things to read that aren't you know, Brene Brown <laughs> or any kind of, you know, self-help something mm-hmm. or other. Um, but yeah, I've actually been doing a bit of a digital detox this week. Good. Um, Jealous. My, yeah, my brain really hurt and I couldn't sleep for about two weeks straight. And I was like, something needs to change. So I don't use my phone first thing in the morning. Obviously, I like have a whole morning routine and try to spend the first hour of my day outside maybe on a little walk or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, I only allow myself 15 minutes of internet time. And I know that sounds very privileged, but it has helped my brain so much. That I is actually, what I should be doing. It's really great. I was able to have a full night's sleep one day this week, which hasn't happened since quarantine started. I generally wake up quite a bit in the middle of the night. But if anybody is feeling the just physiological ramifications of all of this, which we are all in the psychological part of it, but it's affecting our bodies. Like I know two or three people who have gotten shingles during this. And I'm like, I am not going to allow myself to keep putting things into my brain when I have the opportunity not to. So I have been just doing like other hobbies. I've been practicing playing guitar. Nice. And uh, I've been cooking quite a bit. Excellent. And, uh, you know, it's hard to fill in time that you normally would looking at a screen. It, it actually pointed out to me how much time I was doing looking yeah. at a screen. Yeah. But, yeah. But then I we had to watch this. So I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, great work. I'm, I'm very impressed. Thanks, uh, pal. And, uh, and now, we have to, now we have to watch this. Hitch and now we have to watch this. From 2005, Hitch. directed by Andy Tennant. Yeah. Um, Andy can Tennant. Can you give us a synopsis of this? If you I can, can try. Um, I will say, you know, uh, Tennant um, has directed a lot of, like, mid-tier rom-coms and romantic comedies and family comedies. The best movie I think Tennant's made is Ever After. Oh, I the... love that movie. Yeah. Um, I like that was the... a great movie. I like that one a lot. But he also made this, so. Um, so <laughs> here's, like, what the movie is about, I guess. Okay. Um, will Smith mm-hmm. plays Alex Hitchens. Call him Hitch. Uh, he is... <laughs> Uh, uh, his profession he calls it a date doctor but he basically coaches men into how to uh pick up women that are out of their league basically um including like how to deceive them into thinking you rescued their dog or something (laughs) right right uh which kevin sussman does in the film um now, obviously, it requires a little bit of suspension of disbelief to assume that he can, like, build a high-paying career out of that. 
Um, but then it requires further suspension of disbelief um, to understand that not only has he built a high-paying career out of that, but he's assumed urban legend status in mm-hmm. New York City. <laughs> um, yeah, so, if you have his business card, you're in. You're it, right. Like his only referral only business. <laughs> right. Um, and basically, he gets his his um, ultimate challenge, which is uh, Albert, who is played by Kevin James, a uh, schlubby accountant who uh, is unbelievably horny for uh, <laughs> Allegra, uh, who is a wealthy socialite um, who has no idea who Albert is, even though he manages like her uh, her trust, uh, her trust fund. Um, so Hitch coaches him in that, but also Hitch is hitting on uh, Ava Mendez, who possesses, we would say, no comedic talent whatsoever. None. Like, no. none. Or charisma. <laughs> just, uh, but just meets her at a bar and kind of falls in love with her. But she's a gossip columnist who uncovers that he's the date doctor, which is apparently worthy of a gossip column. And that uh-huh. turns her off to him for some reason. And then he... Tra- Look, here's how I would put it. In our last episode... We did Invention of Lying, and one of the the plot points in Invention of Lying is fiction filmmaking doesn't exist, so movies are just a man talking directly to the camera describing things. And that is a large part of what this movie is. (laughs) Yeah, they might not be staring directly at the camera, but they stare enough at each other and explain so much exposition There's to so one much another. Exposition. And Will Smith does talk to the camera for a sizable chunk of this film. And there is a line in the movie where he says to another character, oh, I get it. It's a metaphor. Well, I'm more of a literal guy. And that's uh, that's the thesis of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to me that this isn't a Kevin James rom-com and he happens to be like a genie, an Aladdin type right. of character but they still had to give him his own plot but it seemed like the b plot but james but the other plot seemed like the b plot nobody knows which is the b plot including the people in the movie the the structure of the movie makes no sense um events seem to happen out of order from what i would expect in terms of normal rom-com beats um some other fun facts about the film uh, and i nadia i think i already told you this the reason eva mendez is in the film is uh, the producers, uh, and this is Will Smith saying this in interviews, which I assume is why he doesn't do a lot of interviews. The producers (laughs) uh, were worried about public backlash if there was a white actress in the lead and there was a a black actor and a white actress ending up together at the end, which I, I do believe that audiences are racist enough to have a backlash to that. Yeah, especially in certain parts of the country. Right, and they didn't want a black actress in the Eva Mendez role because they're like, oh, uh, two black leads, now we're in the what men want scenario where we are only picking up a black audience. Um, So they're like, no problem, we're going to split it right down the middle, brown person. I recall that around this time, Ava Mendez played the villain in the remake of The Women with Meg Ryan, and I think Diane Keaton was in that one. Um, so I guess they were kind of capitalizing on that, but she wasn't good in that either. I don't know. I feel bad because she's married to Ryan Gosling, so there has to be some sort of 
something about her that is great or ryan gosling is actually just boring look she <laughs> brings nothing to this film and and the actress who plays allegra brings nothing to this film either yeah um, will smith yeah. obviously is incredibly charismatic right and he's um <laughs> he was fun to watch doing the best he can with an appalling script um <laughs> and and actually i think the back and forth between will smith and kevin james kind of works too yeah yeah it was the only parts of the film where there was a little fun yeah um yeah so i think that's good you know i i, I think kevin james had like when he was a stand-up i thought he was honestly pretty funny and there are yeah there are some episodes of king of queens that are legitimately hilarious um but oh, i want to i want a full list of those <laughs> basically the one where the neighbors get an above ground pool is the essential one um, okay i'll check that out but uh the other casting note uh that i want to talk about on this and, and this is part of the show we do it every week folks it's the ashwari Rai update <laughs> uh, ashwarya rai uh if you have not listened to our season one episode of bride and prejudice ashwarya rai is maybe the single uh most famous woman in india um she is a massive bollywood star um the only equivalent in the states would be possibly beyonce but even then i think that's understating it yeah i would say even bigger than beyonce if i dare yeah. say that and the beehive hears me um she uh has done very few english language roles um her first english language role was bride and prejudice which is a movie that makes zero fucking sense but uh, it's really cute <laughs> and um and uh and it's great because if you read any uh western reviewer uh talking about ashwarya rai's performance uh they will mention that she happens to have an absolutely slamming bod uh <laughs> she she is a former miss world and uh american writers were insanely horny for her yeah. um and she, she is uh, very beautiful she's a gorgeous woman absolutely but what's interesting is she was offered a role in hitch and had to turn it down because she was doing bride and prejudice oh my which god came out the same year that's so so funny well i guess bride and prejudice is a leading role and it she is was great right it is a leading role and um it was uh garinder chata who had already made um bend it like beckham um but the other thing about ashwari rai and will smith is will smith has tried to get ashwari rai in at least three of his movies oh my gosh really uh, yes so he has offered her roles in hitch in seven pounds and in tonight he comes which uh, are, I don't like yeah, that title. Not, not the, uh, not the, sorry, I meant uh, Tonight He uh, Splooches. Uh, not <laughs> the strongest um, of the Will Smith oeuvre, but um, he really, really wanted to work with her, even when she was a complete unknown in the U.S., which she kind of still is. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said, uh, quote, I really wanted to work with her. She has this powerful energy where she doesn't have to say anything, do anything. She can just stand there. Which I think just means she's uh, hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I like that very much. She can um, just stand there and it's a powerful performance. Okay. Um, and she's a perfectly, I mean, she was perfectly capable in Bride and Prejudice. She's been, she's been acclaimed in like actual good Bollywood movies. She was, her breakout role was in Devdas, which is like one of the like, um, kind of marquee, um, totems of the Bollywood genre. Um, but the other thing about Ashwari Rai, which you just texted me this evening, Nadia, she uh, has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, she, uh, so we're sending all our prayers and love to Ashwari Rai. Um, yeah. please take care of yourself. You are still just unbelievably hot. 
Um, and, Tony, uh, we wish you that, all the best. You can't joke about that when you say someone has COVID nineteen. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> this is like it's like you know there are certain things we don't joke about like aids the holocaust the, COVID-19. the current pandemic yeah come on we'll uh we'll cut most of that uh, uh so yeah the point is will smith has wanted to work with Ashwari rai uh and has never uh never made it happen and i'm starting yeah. to think that Ashwari. Uh, uh, is doing it on purpose and considers uh, Will Smith uh, beneath her. I mean, she probably watched Hitch and was like, wow, I'm glad I didn't pick that. <laughs> right? Um, is that mean? She, she Am I being too harsh? She wasn't even offered one of the two female leads. She was offered the, the role of Eva Mendez's friend. Yeah, the one who gets um, stupped by the jerk. Right, the, the one who gets hitted and quitted it by uh, <laughs> the jerk, yes. yeah. Yeah, that's not that's that that is beneath her. That is beneath her. Yeah, definitely. Also, she is. I mean, not to compare female faces, but she is so beautiful and so striking. I don't think that I could have believed that Will Smith wouldn't have been into her and not. Ava you Mendes. you cannot put her in like the sixth build role on a yeah. film. Like she's yeah. just she's too she's too beautiful. She's too beautiful and very talented. Yeah, Aishwarya, come on the show. We, um, we we love you. We love you. Um, guys, check out the Dola Re Dola uh, dance sequence from Devdas. It is a fucking barn burner. Um, Ooh, just a barn burner. Stuff. I've never heard that before. Is that a Midwest <laughs> thing? Yeah, it's very very Midwestern <laughs> term. Um, I just recently learned what a hot dish was. Which oh is a yeah, casserole. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another. That's more like uh, Minnesota, I think, than uh, yeah. in Illinois. Yeah. But uh, but yes. Um, anyways, there, we're learning. We're learning. We're learning. Um, Speaking of learning, I learned a lot from our former current events yeah. for 2005. Are 2005. you ready? Yeah, I'm guessing like the Numa Numa song was really big around this time. <laughs> and the top song was We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. Oh, right on. This is, I think, the second song that has been a top song for Mar- by Mariah Carey in, since our pod, which means that she's just doling out the hits. Um, so we got We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. We also have Drop It Like It's Hot with Snoop Dogg and Pharrell. Mm-hmm. A personal favorite of mine. I love Pharrell. I love N.E.R.D. Uh, Candy Shop by 50 Cent was high up on the charts for the most of the year, actually. And mm-hmm. Gwen Stefani's Hollaback Girl joined Kanye and Jamie Foxx's Gold Digger at the top of the charts for nine months at a time. Oh, wow. So those were the overplayed songs of the year. <laughs> Um, this this is just a fun fact for the year. I don't think this is like a huge pop culture totem, uh, but a fun fact in the Netherlands, a house sparrow knocked down twenty three thousand dominoes being set up for a world record attempt for the largest domino change chain. The bird was shot and the shooter was later fined because house sparrows are endangered in the Netherlands. <laughs> So that's what was going on in the Netherlands in 2005. I, I was going to say, like, oh, that totally rules before you said the part about the bird getting shot. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. It's, it's sad also because I'm a vegetarian, so I got really bummed out. Um, okay. This one, I think, is very timely and made me sad. A glitch in World of Warcraft that year allowed a plague to spread in the game, leading non-infected players to abandon cities while those infected were forced into quarantines. It was later studied by epidemiologists to see how real-life people would react to a pandemic. 
And that's crazy because if I remember uh, that World of Warcraft uh, storyline correctly, there were a bunch of like orcs that would show up at the state house being like, "We refuse to wear masks." <laughs> With guns. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, 2005, The Office premiered mm. that year with mediocre ratings. However, NBC decided to renew it for a second se- season due to the an- anticipated success of Carell's film, The 40-Year-Old Version. And Steve Carell won a Golden Globe the next year for The Office for Best Actor. Well, I think most of the season one episodes were just lifted from the UK uh, version, right? Yeah, I think one or two. Yeah. The pilot definitely was word for word, uh, but then they kind of went their own direction. Okay. Yeah. I like that season. Hot Girl is a really good episode. Um, Mark Zuckerberg. Was it Amy to... Adams was the hot girl? She was. Yeah. She was t- Pam, Pam 2.0 is what they called her. <laughs> <laughs> this was, um, she had just been uh, nominated for an Oscar for Junebug that year. Oh, okay. So she was on The Office and at the Oscars. <laughs> you know, it's possible. Yeah, the big two. The big two. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg offered to sell Facebook to MySpace in 2005, and the MySpace CEO, Krista Wolf, rejected Zuckerberg's asking price of $75 $75 million, which I think, I mean, is that a good move? Yes, it would have been a good move to say yes, because then Facebook would have died with MySpace, and that would have been great. That's it. Or Facebook would have just become MySpace and would have just been, like, Bay Area bands, like, (laughs) plugging their shit. Hell yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I kind of wish I, that that had happened because this version of the timeline is not good. I mean, it's honestly, if I think about like where, where I have to travel back in time to kill someone, and it's... <laughs> it's Zuckerberg. It's, well, I mean, like, obviously there's, there's many horrible things that happened before Facebook was created, but like... Of course. A lot of the, lot of the current bad things happening sure seem to be being helped by Facebook yeah um, but i'm like definitely. but what if i didn't have to hurt anyone what if i just helped negotiate the sale to myspace <laughs> and then everybody's listening to these great pop punk bands from the bay area i would love that it could be also by that time if we had gone back in time and changed the way things were i would have had a pop punk band in the bay area there you go i could have been featured on MySpace. so win 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 oh let's get working the, on our time the machine. three wins are me you and america by the way <laughs> Thank you. And, and also pop punk. Yeah. So win, oh, win, win, sorry. Win. It's a win, 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 win. <laughs> uh, okay. This is a very, very important piece of, of pop culture information. Hollywood marriages of that year. <laughs> we got Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore who got married on September 24th. Uh, England's Prince Charles married longtime flame Camilla Parker Bowles. Mm. Yes, I'm including this in Hollywood gossip because... Well, Camilla Parker Bowles is not royalty. No, and uh, possibly murdered Princess Diana. Exactly. <laughs> which they delve into in Oh Hello, the podcast, right. which you should watch, listen to. It's great. Uh, Heidi Klum and Seal were also married that year on May 10th. Now, obviously Charles and Camilla are together. I think Heidi Klum and Seal sp- split up, right? Yes, they did. Um, are Ashton and Demi still together? No, dude. Ashton and M- Mila Kunis are married now, and they oh, have two God. kids. That's right. That's right. I'm an idiot. <sighs> You're not an idiot, but I will not forgive that. <laughs> you should. You should know that. Okay. Okay. Uh, because I mentioned marriages, we have to mention the breakups of that year. We have, oh, Jessica Simpson and Nicholas Shea broke up that year. Super big bummer for the chicken of the sea. <laughs> 
uh, Brad Pitt left Jennifer Aniston for Angelina Jolie that year as well. And when I found this piece of information, the person who wrote this wrote hashtag actors. <laughs> and I loved it. So I kept it in. Um, this was also the year that Tom Cruise jumped on the couch on Oprah while expressing how much he loved Katie Holmes. I'm sorry to again that... mention Tom Cruise. Now, I know you think that we all died in 9-11 and since then we've been in hell, but could that have been the moment where we all went to hell? This could be the moment where we need to go back in time. Okay. <laughs> last but not, wait, not last. Two more. England's Prince Harry went to a costume party dressed as a Nazi. Mm. That that was a good year. And unfortunately, that was also the year of Hurricane Katrina, where we have now seen that nothing really has changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's so the, a fun yeah. note to end on, I think. Y- yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like it's relevant. I can pretend that we could talk about Brad Pitt and Angelina, or Angelina Jolie instead, but... I think it's good for us to live with the grim reality so that our government continues to fail yeah. us and we're here making a comedy podcast to forget about that. Yeah. Hey, we <laughs> hope you're all having a great day, folks. Hey, the box office for Hitch. Uh, uh, the only thing I have to say about this is this made $179 million. Holy shit, dude. I did not expect that. Which uh, makes it the 10th highest grossing film of the year. And uh, again, I can't emphasize this enough. This has been on... I really do think continuously since uh, 2005 it has been on basic cable uh, in one form or another. This movie was everywhere. Um, Everybody saw it. Will Smith is a massive box office draw. Um, And uh, yeah. Is this his only romantic comedy? That's a great. Because I don't remember any other romantic comedies that he's done. He certainly doesn't do a lot, right? I mean, uh, we talked before the show about After Earth being about Scientology. But the... the, I'm trying... Let's see. I'm looking it up here. Actor. I feel like... I mean, I don't count Bad Boys... Because like Six Degrees of Separation was not a comedy. No. And I don't count Bad Boys as a comedy. No. No, that's an action film. Or, Or Aladdin. Uh, I mean... Or Suicide Squad. Oh, God, I forgot he was in Suicide Squad. Motherfucker. Uh, Men in Black, obviously, is not a a rom-com. I guess Shark Tale would count because it's a cartoon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but Uh, I I, I just feel... The genre's different, though. Like, this might be his only rom-com. Yeah, I'm going through here, and I think The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is probably the only time we've seen him have a romantic interest besides right. this movie. Right. Like, you, yeah. I mean, he kind well, I mean, Men in Black, he, like, kind no, not really. I mean, when it comes to comedy, com, rom-com is a very specific yeah. genre, as Yeah, he doesn't said. have anything that's close to this, unless you count right. Wild Wild West, which obviously we all do. Uh, yeah, I love that soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, starring friend of the show, Kevin so Klein. Uh, so, opening wow. scene. Opening scene. The monologues? Basic principles. <laughs> <laughs> no woman wakes up and says, gosh, I hope nobody sweeps me off my feet today. Which I guess is technically true. Mm, <laughs> I don't understand... <laughs> I mean, is he being, in this day and age, is he being sarcastic or is he being for real? Because I, I don't, I don't know. I think he's being for real. Like, and I get, this goes to the opening scene. First of all, Will Smith is talking to the camera a lot in the opening scenes. 
um, usually a sign that you have a terrible script is when there's too yes. much narration, exactly. especially when it's especially when it's not a voiceover, when it's a character doing it. Um, he is luring an attractive woman's dog out into the street so mm-hmm. that his client can pretend he rescued the dog from getting hit by a car and thus introduce himself to this woman that doesn't know him, but he's been, I guess, stalking her. Yeah. For a prolonged period of time and has hired Will Smith. The, the actor in the, it is Kevin Sussman. He's in Big Bang Theory, but has hired yes. Will Smith to... Uh, he's like, hey, I've been stalking this woman. Can you help me get this big dramatic moment where I can introduce myself uh, to her? Yeah, and it's it's a weird scene. It's the first scene we see. And that's his job. <laughs> yeah, that's his job. There's also a, an older gentleman who wants to get with a younger woman in this opening montage. And that one made me scream out loud, yeah. oh, hell no. <laughs> he's like... Uh, at least 30 years older than this girl and he's and will smith is helping him get her and also all of i mean like i guess setting up the the dog rescue like does take some some doing but like sure also the the advice he is giving to these men is so like we talked about how basic the he's just not that into you advice was but it's just like now remember when you talk to a woman you need to listen to what she says and respond (laughs) i'm like you're and and again this is like price on request fucking service that he's giving these men do you think that they have to say something really obvious like that because if they give actual good advice then there wouldn't be people who would watch these movies (laughs) (laughs) maybe um and also in this opening montage there's like i think eight music cues yeah, um, yeah. It's like a it's like a montage of a montage of a song montage. It's, it's very very strange. Utterly bizarre. And But the, it sets up the whole terrible structure of the rest of the movie. It's it, it it's just and and it, and the amount of exposition, so much exposition, just every line out of a character's mouth for maybe the first 30 minutes is yeah. just exposition because then you see eva mendez walking around on her phone talking about how do you cheat on allegra she's only the finest thing walking around new york a guy would be crazy to let her go just like just just brutal just we're going to talk at length about a character who we have not seen yet and just establish what her qualities are and why she is the prize to be won in this film Right. And the funny thing is, is that in Hollywood, the walk and talk with exposition only works on an Aaron Sorkin project. So yeah, and even I don't, then. <laughs> and even then, it's a little much. And then you know you're watching an Aaron Sorkin project. But this, it, when you have someone who is also just lifeless, like Eva Mendez, like, it's just not great. At least, at least Will Smith is somewhat... Well, Will Smith, obviously, like, we could all watch Will Smith, like, fucking read the phone book, right? And he'd find yeah. a way to get something out of it. Sure. I'd have some sort of life epiphany if he did that. Right. But, <laughs> but like, Eva Mendez, and then, by the way, she gets to her office and her boss, who's Adam Arkin, is uh, another Aaron Sorkin alum, is, is like, yeah. Eva, Eva Mendez, you gotta slow down. You gotta take a vacation. There's more to life than watching other people live it. Like, that's... Just like, again, just blatant, here are your character traits. One, two, yeah. three. 
I have a fun fact about that office space. That's the Time Out New York office. Oh, and right on. I Yeah, and I was an intern there, and it looks exactly like that. I think they used people's real desks. And, and I mean, Eva Mendez's character basically works at a fictionalized version of Time Out New York. Yeah, say. yeah. So that worked out. It checks out. She has a gay assistant, and uh, I'm saying it that way because that's how he talks in the film. And <laughs> uh, we also get, by the way, there's also some exposition on Hitch that we get um, in a scene. I know we're flying through the beginning, but it's a 45-minute montage at the beginning. Yeah, we don't we don't need to go into um, it. We get some exposition where um, Hitch is playing pool with uh, esteemed character actor Michael Rappaport. <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere. And uh, and Michael Rappaport is like, Hitch, you're very commitment phobic. Like, just, <laughs> just again, just like, now it's time to establish what your character is like. Interesting, though, because Michael Rappaport was the one who is married and was looking at other women at the bar. Yeah, and it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, and then we never see Michael Rappaport again. <laughs> Michael Rappaport has one scene in which he's like, Hitch, you gotta settle down and get married. Ooh, I kind of want to fuck that bartender, though. Like, yeah, just... and then he's like, all right, I got to go be a guest on the Howard Stern Show now. <laughs> Bye, and then he never shows up I have again. to go do season five of Justified. Uh, but <laughs> So Hitch has a history of being, he's commitment phobic, but he has a history of being clingy, but also he was once a nerd. There's also flashbacks to his college life. It does, right. It's jo- he, they flashback to, th- this. this I think is supposed to make us feel bad for him that he has this job in the first place but it's like kind of the redeeming uh like story or whatever where he's in love with this really beautiful woman in college who is very clearly out of his league very smart very gorgeous and just kind of is very what is it called he's a simp I'm trying to use the lingo that's popular with the children these days. So he's a simp for this woman, and she ends up being, like, really freaked out by how simpy he is. And so she starts making out with some other guy, and he sees them through her car window and is, like, really upset. Weeping. It's pouring pouring rain on him, right? Yeah, he's like, what did I do? What did I do? And the guy in the driver's seat is like, you're doing it right now. You're being a simp. So and ne- so now he is a consultant to help men never feel what he had felt in that moment. Be safe from simps with Simply Safe. <laughs> <laughs> and so. Did I use simp right? No, that's exactly how it's used, I assume. Hell yeah. I don't know. Hell don't yeah. Know. Um, uh, so, okay, so we get that backstory and then we get his client, who is Kevin James. Um, uh, you know what? I got to say something. I talk a lot of shit about King of Queens because I think it's terrible, but he's very funny in this movie. Ke- Kevin James, funny dude. He's a funny dude, and it makes me want to watch I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. We'll almost definitely do that for the show. Um, <laughs> the movie that solved gay marriage. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so Kevin James, uh, the other, the reason I have some sentimental uh, value for Kevin James, like King of Queens, it, it, so the whole. The problem with King of Queens is you have an insanely beautiful woman, right? <laughs> Leia Remini, former Scientologist, married to uh, <laughs> married to Kevin James, who uh, you know could not pull down a, a Leia Remini, uh, Leah Remini. Um, so that's kind of messed up. But you have Jerry Stiller, rest in peace, who is you yeah. know this incredibly funny actor. You have some very funny um, episodes of that show. 
Uh, and the other thing is um, Kevin James's, uh, I think it's his cousin in real life, or maybe his brother, Gary Valentine, um, oh. had a recurring on that show. But Gary Valentine uh, is not as successful as Kevin James, so he judged the last comic standing Notre Dame competition where nice. uh, I did my first stand-up set. Congratulations! How'd you do? I placed third. Damn! Uh, Hell yeah, dude! Uh, uh, good for it was, you. It was a good time. But but in this movie, Kevin James is an asthmatic, um, nebbishy uh, simp. What is, he's like? He's a simp. He's a tax man. <laughs> he, yeah, I mean, he's an accountant. He he manages the trust fund for this um, kind of, I guess, Paris Hilton type figure, Allegra. Um, who has absolutely no charisma or star quality the, that is supposed to, you know, like shroud her character, a, this a, mystery. I don't feel it. Absolutely nothing interesting about this character at all, other than she yeah. is rich and she is pretty. And that Questionable. Is, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is subjective. Um, yeah. And uh, it's not like Ashwari Rai, who is objectively most beautiful woman in the world. But yeah. the, yeah. the uh, I'm going to delete that too, but the... <laughs> but he's he's in love with this woman who again uh, he works for right right um he's in love with this woman and so he hires uh hitch to be like i am in love with this woman she doesn't know i exist so i need you to help me justify all the stalking i have done um and so will smith like helps him get a big uh dramatic moment which is he a big dramatic gesture yeah because that is the only way to get someone of her caliber to notice him caliber um so he yeah. basically stands up basically like allegra has a whole team of advisors on yes. her trust they're all like hey uh we'll keep an eye on things for you she's like i kind of want to invest in my friend's business they're like ah we'll take a look at it and then kevin james is like and I actually kind of had some problems with this monologue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he's like, how dare we tell her what to do when she's built up this success? We should be taking advice from you, Allegra Cole. And it's kind of like the message of the monologue is, why don't more people respect the celebs? Yeah, I had a little bit of an issue with that because also he was laying it on really thick. <laughs> <laughs> Not only just like being like oh you're a celebrity we should listen to you you're the one who made this money i don't think she did if it's no, a trust no. by the way no you don't uh, you don't make your own money and put it in a trust right exactly <laughs> but i also kind of hated this whole thing of like you're incredible you're amazing all of this like really laying it on thick for her and like even quitting his job yeah oh yeah they, he quits his job too be, um, because they aren't listening to her and it just it was just so over the top just and, a like, fucked up thing to hear from your accountant yeah especially one that you don't even know so like it was very clearly manipulative but this poor woman like probably doesn't have a mom and doesn't have like someone to tell her about what red flags are so <laughs> she was like ah i i notice you let me go to your office to chat with you right and will smith's in the office to debrief so we get some will smith kevin james physical comedy Mm -hmm. uh there's a little too much physical comedy in this movie in general as we get to. yeah it's kind of slapsticky but if you're kevin james that's what you got you i, I mean he's, he's good got. at it um will smith not as much you know i had to remind myself going into the movie i'm like does this movie have a laxative scene in it and it doesn't no 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 but that's it a different scene has an antihistamine scene which yeah we'll get it's to a different later. movie um 
but uh so we get some physical comedy and then uh basically kevin james gets uh a, like his number under professional pretenses by right. the way um yeah. so it's like but hey. there is like a hint of her being like hmm yeah i think you're interesting because you complimented me right. la, la, la. which is I, we're gonna get to it later but like the message of the film at the end is kind of like allegra kind of falls for him because she pities him yeah, or just the fact that he actually listens to her, which is so sad. Which is, yeah, honestly more tragic than I would expect for, like, a yeah. rom-com. It also just tells the message of two ladies, like, if this guy, if a guy listens to you, bare minimum, if he does the bare minimum, he's worth sticking around for. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. And while Kevin James gets Allegra Cole's number, Will Smith is at the bar, and he ends up picking up Eva Mendez's number in one of several insane scenes. Uh, it is so okay. I I just want to I I have done some research on narcissism for other reasons and <laughs> what Will Smith does. To the Eva other reasons Mendes, are she had to double check some things before agreeing to do a podcast with me. <laughs> yes, one the thing that Will Smith is doing is called love bombing. It's where you don't leave someone alone even after they've expressed no interest in you. And you do it in such a way that is kind of over the top, like sending gifts or sending a walkie-talkie to her office, to her place of work, which you found out where it was, and, you know, package together a courier (laughs) to wait for her to open a package and then wait for her to like give the okay so that you can give her another gift. It's yeah. very, it's a lot. It's a lot. This but, is called love bombing. If anyone ever does this to you, run the other cut, way. Cut them loose. But the other thing is, in the bar where he meets her, he he like shoes away another guy that's coming on to her too much. Um, right. Which that's I, such a trope. I I, I forget yeah. how how common that trope is. It shoes away another guy by pretending that. Um, they're married, right? Like, yeah. this other guy's bothering her, and he walks up. He's like, hey, honey, sorry I'm late. I, I missed the train or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they have, like, a 10-minute conversation that is entirely in hypotheticals. Yes. And it's in, it's insane. It's so long. <laughs> it's so long. It's just like, well, if a guy was going to say the right thing to you, what would he say? Well, he might realize he couldn't say the right thing to me. Well, what if he were to do that? And they just they just do, he might say this, she might say this. They don't they have, lost me. They don't have a conversation. They have they talk about what a conversation might look like. And again, it's such a long scene. It's so long. They lost me halfway through. I was like knee deep in my snacks by that point. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening in this movie. And there's also no chemistry between None. them. None. No. I feel like they it's one of those situations where Eva Mendez was on camera and they put like a a tennis ball on the other side and she just had to like use that for her eye line and was talking to no one it's like um if you take your they don't really do this anymore but it, it i don't think they do but if you like take your kid to a department store to get their photo taken <laughs> and you have to like and you're the photographer you have to like wave a stuffed bunny like behind the yeah. camera for them to smile <laughs> Yeah, that's what they've had to do. I feel like Will Smith was doing okay, but Eva Mendes, she needed a little help. The other the other scene, before we get to the first date. She's going to find me and kill me. <laughs> before I get to the first date, um, there's another scene here where Will Smith meets with a douchebag. Oh, yeah, douchebag guy. The douchebag guy, and he's like, I want... <laughs> 
it's just, again there's nothing subtle about this film but he's like i is like i need you to help me fuck this woman so i can never talk to her again and he's like look i'm hitch hitch doesn't do that hitch helps people fall in love um and he's like what yeah, he talks to about himself in the third yeah. person he's like i was told you help guys get in there there being a woman's vagina and, Ew. and ashwarya it, rise almost vagina <laughs> What, what is are you anagramming her name or something <laughs> no no because she almost was that character oh Can you yes yes that yeah. guy he's referring to yeah and the the woman he's talking to you don't know it yet but he's referring to ava mendez his friend but um but there's a there's this like will smith is like we're done here he gets up and walks away and the, the douchebag grabs him which is which is bad like don't that's do that. bad you don't do that and, and he grabs him and he says this is what i do power suit power tie power steering now look Ugh. in 2005 power steering was standard in every car <laughs> don't grab i, I kind of wish that he had said power lunch right like power lunch power lunch is the obvious place to go with that line it's like my car has automatic transmission <laughs> so the rich guy commits assault and uh, and this is where Will Smith says, oh, this is a metaphor. I'm more a literal kind of guy, which summarizes, again, the entire film. Right. Um, and then, and then Will- he twists his arm and <laughs> smacks the guy into the table. Will Smith uses, like, his, his hidden douchebag jujitsu to, <laughs> to retaliate and leave. Now, this guy, I guess, comes back in the plot later. Um, not really a necessary scene, I would they argue. They could have cut this. Yeah. Because this movie, I have to say, is like 40 minutes too long. It's too, it's too long. It, it could have been directed by Judd Apatow, but it wasn't. No reason for this film to be longer than 85 minutes, and it's like a full two hours. Um, but we gotta talk about the fucking first date that Will Smith and Eva <laughs> Mendez go on. Because, and I, look, with the exception of maybe the webcam scene in American Pie, which was bad shit that that made its way into a movie this Uh this scene for completely different reasons is one of the most insane things i have seen in a movie we have watched for this podcast so as i mentioned before will smith found out where eva mendez works and sent her a walkie-talkie where they had this like really weird hypothetical conversation about going on a date and then she opens a second box that was held by a courier and inside was a wetsuit. And so they had to meet the next day at 7 a.m. At the Hudson to, River. At the Hudson River, where he was meeting her on jet ski. Yeah, so that he's they like, could we're going go... to an undisclosed location. Which, at this point, if you're Eva Mendez, you're like, he wants to murder me. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not. She's like, okay, I will go on this jet ski with you. And, and they the, go, and his his jet ski runs out of gas. There's a jet skiing montage during which he, I think yeah. no time passes. No, and they're also going in like four feet around the dock, probably. <laughs> and then his uh, jet ski runs out of gas, and he's like, "Well, I'm gonna have to drive your jet ski." And she's like, "Why don't you just get on the jet ski, and I will drive?" Which is a metaphor for their relationship, I suppose. I guess. And so he's like, "Fine." And so he go hops off of his jet ski and kicks her in the face. <laughs> and she falls off the jet ski into the water. Because <laughs> he's so smooth that he can't do this. And that's and the so... other thing, is he was, like, insanely sm- He's supposed to be insanely smooth in the scene where they meet. And now he's right. not smooth. And also his job is being smooth. 
his job is being smooth but i think this is where his like simp is coming out and he can't in reality that's who he is he's a simp but he's just been hiding it this whole time but eva mendez because she's like a ball buster and she's like a cool girl who drinks beer at the bar and not like a cocktail is like sees through his whole thing and he's very vulnerable i guess but Jesus I mean, that's Christ. what I think they're trying to do because I know how movies work, but I don't think that they're succeeding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how this movie works. <laughs> um, the undisclosed location he takes her to is Ellis Island. And he, yeah. he's like... And, and Why he's would like, two oh, you know, brown people go in, to Ellis Island? Yeah, I've lived in New York my whole life and I've never been to Ellis Island. And he's like, I figured. Um and the security guard, who I guess Hitch knows or has bribed, um, gives, <laughs> gives them a tour. And this is where it gets insane. Because the movie, <sighs> all of a sudden, changes gears. There's We've just had music cues from 2005, the whole movie. And then we suddenly <laughs> get, like, the fucking West Wing theme starts. <laughs> and... And, and and it's the guard explaining how, you know, America is a nation of immigrants and a full third of the country can trace their names back to, can trace their ancestry back to a name on the Ellis Island ledger, which I can too, by the way. <laughs> but I, Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, so it's like, oh, it, it, it all of a sudden becomes this attempt to be like really powerful and moving statement about immigrants well, because two brown people are in, are in this movie, so they had to do something about race. I guess. But then... But then! But then she finds... But the ledger is under glass. It is open to the page where her great-great-grandfather has his name written. And she bursts into tears. And then she starts <laughs> screaming. Because it turns out her great-great-grandfather was a notorious serial killer. Yeah. And so we... Also, her screaming was very strange. It was like, ah! Ah! Like, it was very... I didn't know what kind of screams those were. We we smash cut to Will Smith uh, outside on Ellis Island being like, I'm so sorry. He, they said he was the butcher of Portugal or whatever. I thought that was his profession. <laughs> Yeah, he was a serial killer. That made no sense. So it's like, oh, we're going to put in this really unjustified, sweeping, moving moment in here. And then we're going to completely piss all over it. Yeah. Okay. Is this? I guess this is supposed to be his romantic attempt foiled by murder. <laughs> a history of murder. So his, his simpness is, he wants, he's simping, so he wants to impress her even more. So he asks her to uh, have another date. Yeah. And we'll get to that one, because uh, that one's going to be fun later, but we should talk about the fucking My Fair Lady with Kevin James here. Oh my god, I forget, we're in two movies at once. <laughs> it's just like, they're, they're supposed to be an A story and a B story, but we're not clear which is which. Yeah. Um, so Will Smith is briefing Kevin James on how to dress, which he does by directly addressing the camera, uh, <laughs> and he teaches him how to dance. And the thing about white boys is they can't dance. Yeah, um, but you know when they can dance? When they play Usher's Yeah, featuring Lil John. Uh, and Ludacris, don't leave And Luda. Uh, so yeah, they they Will Smith is like, let me see you because they're going to like a 
like a art exhibition opening or something kevin james and and uh, the socialite and will smith's like look normally i would say don't dance on the first date but if she asks you to you can't say no so we're gonna work on dancing and kevin james is like i know how to dance and will smith is like let me show you will smith in his giant apartment that he bought being a fucking date doctor uh, yeah is, is like okay let's see what you got and he turns on yeah and then kevin james does goofy kevin james moves and will smith's like oh hell no nah, in that will smith way <laughs> and uh and then the scene is, I would say, what would you say, like 20 minutes long? It's so long, and they, he teaches him how to basically uh, shift his weight the, from foot to the, foot. The, the white guy step. Like, we all know the white guy step. <laughs> the white guy step! I'm sorry, I'm a brown person. I didn't know that it had a name. Yeah, we all know. We all know that. But, like, the scene, also, it's 20 minutes, but it cuts between Will Smith training him and then the actual dancing happening at the event. Like, we're in the film Chicago. Yeah! <laughs> It's like the big number. Right. Um, and so Kevin James is doing a pretty good job of doing the white man step. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the white, the white man's. Step. Yeah. And so, but then every time Allegra turns around and has his back to him, he starts dancing in his real way. I start the fire. I make the pizza. <laughs> um, but the, the other... It's a funny scene. It's like one of the few scenes that it's I laugh. It's kind at. of funny. The scene that I think... Uh, works is the one that comes right after this which is where they talk about the first kiss oh it's so good so will so good will smith is explaining like look she's going to be you might not kiss on the first date she is going to be thinking about it and you have Mm -hmm. to be ready for when it comes and he talks about you know how far do you go in (laughs) what's what's the 90 10 rule like stuff like that right 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 the manipulation right yeah how do you how do you um make this woman bend to your will and do whatever you want um physically emotionally whatever you want uh so but it's funny because there's all this back and forth where they're testing like how far to go and stuff like that (laughs) there's a very abrupt turn where kevin james just rams into will smith's mouth and it's honestly pretty funny it's pretty funny it's pretty funny because he's just so hapless and so like the sense of timing in the scene is really well done and it's because you have kevin james who's a good comedian and will smith who's a good actor and they make it work yeah they made it work i think this is the highlight of the movie for me this is the part of the movie where i wasn't paying attention to what snack i was going to eat next (laughs) so speaking of snacks we should talk about the conquille saint jacques (laughs) (laughs) okay okay so at this point (laughs) eva mendez is a little suspicious of pitch because like something about him is a little bit off and she doesn't really know what he does for a living he's kind of vaguely says that he's a consultant and so her boss is like well why don't you plan this double date with me and we'll kind of get to the bottom of things i love going on a date and having my boss there (laughs) can you imagine i can think of my actual boss coming with me on a date and i want to crawl into a hole (laughs) it sounds like the worst experience of my life but they go to a cooking class which i think i think personally is a is a pretty cute date idea good date good date not not a double date though not a first date either but no. good, like, second date, I think. It's a good second date. And so th- he shows up, and uh, he he got his uh, shirt caught in her taxi when she was driving away at the Ellis Island date, which is another example of him having no game and being a simp. But And so she shows up with his shirt dry cleaned for him, which was a, be- a nice gesture. 
and a way for her to get him to come out so she can figure out what the hell is going on. And they finally get into the, the cooking class and the chef who's leading the class gives them a little sample of what they're going to make today. It's, he con- doesn't... it's Conquil Saint-Jacques. Could you please refer to it by its name? I'm sorry. So he doesn't <laughs> ask like, oh, what's in this? I have food allergies. Is, is there stuff that I'm deathly allergic to in this? He just eats it. And while she and her boss are asking him really pointed questions, his face starts to swell into dangerous territory. Just, he looks like... And he's going like... <gasps> he looks like the Disney hunchback of Notre Dame. It's like, so bad. The prosthetics they used were just gruesome. It, it, they, like, have to run to a CVS. He doesn't see himself until he gets to CVS and sees himself in the mirror. And he's like, oh! <laughs> so she gets him some Benadryl. Such and a dumb scene. And again, dumb go, scene. goes on forever. It's It's like eight or nine minutes too long yeah it's very long so they're walking through the park and he's he's kind of less swollen and he's obviously like crunk on benadryl yes and she's trying to get information from him but he really just isn't giving it up he he i think he like knows that he's got this like armor up of like i cannot talk about my job (laughs) and they finally she brings him over to her house which i found questionable well, in uh, in yeah, Soho. Yeah, that's af- that's actually correct. Yeah, go to his place because he's not going to murder someone if he has to clean up his own place. Exactly. Yeah. So they go to her Soho loft and they're chilling on the couch and he's got his Benadryl like buzz on. And instead of him giving up any information, she gives a little more of her exposition of like why she's such a hard ass, which is like her sister is was sick at some point i don't even remember i i took no notes on that scene (laughs) and then they fall asleep together on the couch and it's like this like lovely moment yeah this feel like this whole movie feels like reading the lyrics to a weezer song (laughs) (laughs) there's a benadryl a sweater yeah it's unraveling um so what happens next is is um, very, very subtle, and I'm sure you missed it because of how subtle it was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Eva Mendez's best friend, the woman who should have been played by Ashwari Rai, sleeps with <laughs> the douchey guy that Will Smith refused to work with. Aww. And she, and Eva Mendez tracks the douchebag down because her friend is hurt, Um she's like who are you and she tries to figure out who the date doctor is like presses him for more information on that and i don't know if you know again it's super subtle i don't know if you notice this but (laughs) the douchebag is there they run into each other on wall street and the douchebag (laughs) is he he works in finance he so they're on wall street and um, there's a statue. I, I, I know you lived in New York for a couple of years, but on Wall Street, there's a very famous statue. It's of a, a charging bull because it's representative right. of a bull market. And right. and what's interesting is this douchebag guy stands right in front of the bull's asshole. And there's a popular expression um, uh, that something or someone is like bullshit, meaning like it's, they're not good, like they're not to be yeah. trusted. Yeah. This guy, I, and again, you I'm probably so missed it. I'm so glad that you're explaining this because I could, I would have totally missed it. <laughs> Just the, the the dumbest, most heavy-handed shot. Uh, <laughs> 
Did, what did she do? Did she, like, knee him or something? I forget. No, she, like, tracked him down or something and is like, who is the date doctor? Um, which I don't know. I, I don't know why that would be a big story in the newspaper. It doesn't make any sense. But eventually she sets up a sting operation. Um, that makes no sense either. I think Central by this Park, point. yeah. By this point, I'm, like, four snacks deep, and I'm, like, I want to go to bed. It's, like, midnight. <laughs> this movie has huh. been so long because of the commercials. Because of the commercials. So, in the meantime, Kevin and Allegra, if we still care about them, they went to a Knicks game. <laughs> they, they had their first kiss. He was about to puff on his inhaler, um, and then he threw his inhaler away, which don't fucking don't do that. Don't do that, Kevin Smith. Those are so Kevin expensive. Smith. I called him Kevin Smith. <laughs> or, yeah, sorry, Kevin, Kevin James. James. Kevin James. We would we would have you both on the show. I want Kevin James, Kevin Smith, <laughs> Kevin Klein. Same episode. <laughs> the three Kevins. The three Kevins. Um, but anyways, um, Ava Mendez does the sting operation. She finds out Hitch is the date doctor, and her line is, as she's standing in Central Park taking photos, she's like, this is going to be a huge story. And my reaction no, is... But nobody cares about it? this. Like, I don't think anybody cares about the date doctor. If, she, the date, if the date doctor is legitimately, like, helping men get confidence and, like, learning things like I need to listen, I don't think that he's doing any kind of manipulation necessarily. Unless, like... I mean, the dog thing. The, the dog thing is kind of a reach. But, yeah. like... So she is pissed off. She feels deceived. She wants to go to his place to do the, is this what I am? Am I a bet to you? Am I a fucking bet? <laughs> For those of you listeners, if you're wondering when are they going to do She's All That, never. It's a perfect film. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait. I have a question. Yeah. I don't understand why Eva Mendez is upset so I, about his job is I, it because he wasn't truthful about what kind of consulting he does i think what it is it she assumed that he helped the douchebag get with her friend oh she okay. a, assumed incorrectly right um which she could have just asked him right like would have been a natural question but she was struck by the subtlety of the bullshit metaphor right and, right 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 and so she, i mean that could have made this the movie at least 20 minutes shorter god uh can you imagine <laughs> She goes, the other thing, the story that makes her paper is not that, not necessarily that Hitch is a person, but that, that Hitch is helping it, like, Allegra is getting photographed at places with Kevin James. Right. And so it's like, Kevin James is actually being coached to try and get in Allegra's pants, like that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. So that obviously, I, I don't understand why it's a story still, but I can understand why that story coming out would be a fucking maybe, disaster for Kevin maybe James. Maybe if they had like cast a real socialite, like a real celebrity, like maybe if Paris Hilton had been in this movie, I would have been like, oh, okay. I, I guess Allegra is <laughs> supposed to be like a stand-in for Paris Hilton, but she also has a heart or something. Uh, uh, anyways, so this Ma- podcast is slowly going off the rails the more we want to rationalize <laughs> this movie. <laughs> okay, but we got to go to the scene where Ava Mendez confronts Will Smith. Because um, uh, he goes, she goes to his place. And she's already, like, half in the bag, basically. Mm -hmm. She's drunk. Um, And then she's like, pour some wine, Will Smith. What should we we drink to? And then Will Smith responds with the most bonkers toast (laughs) that I've ever heard. Um, He's like, ah, well, never lie, steal, cheat, or drink. (laughs) But if you must lie... (laughs) 
lie in the arms of the one you love. And if you must steal, steal away from bad company. And if you must cheat, cheat death. And if <laughs> and if you must drink, drink in the moments that take your breath away. <sighs> anyway, so she it's, dumps him. Cause, it's bad. Because who wouldn't after a guy says that? <laughs> this this movie is just bananas because i'm supposed to care about so many people and i don't i think i think what it comes down to is two problems one is that neither of the female leads have any screen presence or charisma yeah and then the other piece of it is like i can only suspend disbelief for like one thing and the one thing that I should be suspending disbelief for is this is Hitch's job. Uh-huh. But, like, I'm also suspending disbelief for, like, he gets cards from his former clients that say, thank you for making us fall in love. Yeah. And, like... Yeah, so I knew somebody in the comedy community who had this job. And he... We didn't know what he was doing for his job. He would say he was a consultant, which I think is very funny now that I've watched this movie. Um, but he would tell us very vaguely, like, I have an appointment for work, so I can't do improv practice, blah, blah, blah. And then eventually we all got drunk one time and asked him what he really did. And he was like, well, I'm a consultant. I help guys get girls. And so we asked him kind of in detail what he did. And basically he just helps with their, like, hygiene, self-esteem, um, you know, like teaching yeah. them how to actively listen, which is something that a lot of people have a lot of trouble with. And he was like semi-successful, but like he, you know, had three roommates. So I don't think that it's a very lucrative job, but the Will Smith's character, I guess it's different when you live in New York. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's you the greatest city more. in the world, baby. You uh. can definitely charge more than you can in Hollywood, but, <laughs> but it is a, it is a legitimate real job that is out there. Sure. But I, I, I don't think that. I don't think that it would be something that someone would, like, highlight in a gossip column. No. Uh, If anything, it would be, like, a funny joke. Like, an offhanded joke talking about something else. But, like, I think you would just kind of skirt over that. So there's a boy loses girl scene. That's what that is. And then he, like, confronts Eva Mendez at, like, a speed dating thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Eva Mendez agreed to go with her friend friend. who was supposed to be played by a foreigner. Yeah, and... uh... (laughs) yeah and like that scene is bonkers because it's like a there's a point where a woman yells out i just want to find someone i haven't gotten laid in a year um yeah and i think this i hate this movie (laughs) and then like there's a point where will smith is like i'm doing this so great guys like albert brenneman have a fighting chance which is like starting to border on more incel shit yeah (laughs) um yeah i mean he's not that great i mean what it like we don't see him, you know, like, volunteering there, there, for no, anybody. He, in fact, like, we really don't know that he's a good person. We just know he's obsessed with Allegra. And he's kind okay. of schlubby. I have a pitch. I have a pitch for this movie. Let's rewrite okay. Hitch real quick. Yeah. So, Tenant, are you listening? Yeah. So, okay. Kevin James wants to fall in love with Allegra. So he hires Will Smith. Yeah. Great. So Will Smith, it's actually about Kevin James and Will Smith coaches Kevin James but eventually Will Smith falls in love with Allegra and has they like they, that's they, something right yeah and so he has to like 
kind of grapple with the fact that he could be betraying his new client who is now his friend because they get really close like maybe that could be something and then in the end neither of them end up with her because she ends up being terrible and they just end up being best friends i feel like this could be a good movie there's something there because like what happens is it's not that it's not that <laughs> he goes to allegra's boat which guys of but course <laughs> goes to allegra's boat and he's like you gotta take Albert back. Albert's a good man, and Allegra's like, you coached him to show me his inhaler so I'd think he was vulnerable, and to have him dance all goofy so I would feel less insecure. He's like, no, I did not coach him to do that. I coached him to do the fucking opposite of all those things. Right. Um, and so if anything, Kevin James didn't even take the advice. <laughs> right. And and that, I mean, we do that, and then the, the last line of the film, which we'll get to in a minute, but like, Kind of the message of the film is like, hey, uh, the last two hours that you spent watching this actually uh, did not matter. Waste of time. Um, (laughs) Allegra's like, no, I like Kevin James because he's pitiful and I am a hot woman who will fuck you out of pity, gentlemen. (laughs) Um, And speaking, She loves simps. Speaking of pity, um, Will Smith runs from there. uh, Kevin James shows up, he reconciles with allegra and then there's like 15 minutes left yeah yeah there's a lot of time left so will smith goes to ava mendez's place which appears to be a storage unit with a peephole and (laughs) that's what you get when you live in soho and and, um he gives like four different speeches stapled together yeah outside her door and the joke is like he can't give big speeches He's right. bad at it. He's, I just know deep in this area um, that I love you or whatever. And then uh. she, she's with another guy who doesn't introduce himself and she doesn't say anything about who he is. Right. Which could have saved us this last 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> with another... And then they get in a car and, like they're going to go away on like away on the weekend or something. Right. And he chases after them. And then it just turns out that the guy is just her brother-in-law and they were going to pick up her sister. What the hell is this? I I, I stopped paying attention at this point. So it it, it ends with Kevin James and Allegra's wedding and then Will Smith (laughs) turns to the camera again and says... Basic. So first of all, he starts the movie by saying basic principles. No woman wakes up and says, I hope nobody sweeps me off my feet today. He turns to the camera at the end of the film and says, basic principles... There are none. It's like so. What the what, <laughs> what, the, what the fuck, fuck is was this I supposed movie? to learn? What the fuck? <laughs> this movie was made. You know how difficult it is to have someone read well, your script and get it greenlit and get it made and have a producer, like a line producer, set up the shooting dates line and producer, act, make hi- sure everybody shows up on time. Hi- hire the actors, <laughs> audition the actors. Like a lot of effort went into this movie, and it still was shitty. You got to hire craft services every day. Every day. Um, every, you know. You had whole, a stunt coordinator. Whole industry is unionized, so there's collective bargaining agreements, multiple collective bargaining agreements, so you have to keep in mind, you know, people get got to get certain breaks at certain times. Right. Um, this was actually the first screenplay for the writer, um, <laughs> which shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, even though, ten, you know, Tennant obviously had directed countless films before this, and again, I think it's a pass because he made Ever After. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That movie's great. It's great. Drew Barrymore, Angelica Houston, Leonardo da Vinci as himself. And, 
Oh, Angelica Houston is so good in that. I would rather watch that. Let's watch that instead. Well, no, but that's a good movie. That's the I know, problem. that's true. Um, Can you imagine if we did a podcast where we talk about good movies? I just, <laughs> How I much just happier we would be? I feel like that wouldn't be enjoyable for me. But mo- moving on from the film. Uh, you uh, know, wait, we... we didn't talk about the ending montage at the wedding where it was like 15 minutes of Kevin James dancing. Well, you, but you get the, it's like he's bad at dancing, but he's also good at dancing. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be like the funny ending of the movie credit rolls, like, we had a great time watching this kind of montage. Yeah. Ugh. I didn't have a great time watching this. Ugh. It was just on. Yeah. It, I mean, that is... And, and this movie was just on so much that it was, again, the 10th highest grossing film of 2005. I honestly can't believe it. Like... It was like Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I think, was number one, <laughs> which is what my hair looks like now, by the way. Oh, uh, and, cute. And uh, and now it's like, I, I cannot believe how successful this movie was. But Nadia, when we last did a rom-com, mm-hmm. uh, we were doing uh, He's Just Not That Into You. We actually read the book on it, and you gave us dating, dating advice, which our listeners, I have to say, appreciated uh, very Yay! much. Um, that made me really happy to hear the feedback from this. I, 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 I read a lot of self-help books. And so I kind of whittled down everything that I'd learned. And most of it was dating is less about the other person and more about you and how you're doing. Yeah. So coming out of Hitch, do you have uh, more advice for our listeners? I do. Assuming that you all followed my advice from the He's Just Not That Into You episode and you feel very good about yourself and who you are and you feel ready to start dating, this is going to be very helpful to you. This is more um, hands-on dating advice, like how to get a date, that kind of thing. Um, These tips are very gender inclusive, but I have included some that are specifically geared towards cis straight men because y'all need some extra help. (laughs) First of all, the first rule, if you try to manipulate the person you want to go out with into going into going out with you the way that the people in this movie have, the person you are trying to go out with will smell it from a mile away. And even if they don't, their friends or their moms will. So don't do that. <laughs> if someone like feels, if you feel like you need to manipulate somebody to go out on a date with you you shouldn't be dating stop get some help and then think about going out on a date i feel like that is good just general foundation advice the second thing is communicate clearly telling someone you like them is very very scary but it will ultimately avoid confusion down the line on both sides there would be no oh, you know, well, he said this, or she said this, or they said this, none of that. If you communicate your intentions very clearly and get a yes or a no, you'll know. But if the person that you asked out says no, be like Elsa and let it go. Yeah, uh, having just finished reading Ronan Farrow's book, uh, if, if they say no, just go ahead and accept the no, is what I'm yes. going to say. Yes, and I know personally that there are a lot of tropes in TV and film where guys think the notion of don't take no for an answer is considered romantic. I am telling you that is not true. (laughs) Do not do that. If she changes her mind, this is specifically for men, if she changes her mind, then she will reach out to you 
and communicate that. I guarantee that to you. But if she doesn't, she will not. And so you don't have to keep asking. If someone says no, let it go, okay? Uh, ask the person if you get a yes, if they would like to have the pre-interview. This is where I personally am using my own advice. You wanna talk to the person on the phone or on a Zoom call before you meet in person. This I'm assuming that everyone's doing the online dating thing right now because mm. it's quarantine. So do a little pre-interview. If you guys can hold a conversation over the phone or over Zoom and it's fun, then I think that it's a good sign. If the person that you're talking to talks a lot about themselves and doesn't ask you any questions, maybe it's not really that great of a date. If you are somebody who talks a lot about yourself and doesn't really ask any questions about the other person, I don't think you're ready to date. And if you want to kind of take a test on that, record a conversation that you have with your friend. Let them know that you're doing that ahead of time. I do that every week on this podcast. Yeah, I was about to say, watch, uh, watch a rom-com from 15 years ago <laughs> and share your thoughts on it. Yeah, because if you notice that you yourself are speaking way too much or talking over somebody or uh, like just being generally a conversation hog, that's not a good sign and people aren't going to want to date you. I'm sorry. And I agree with Hitch. Listening is very, very important. So I'm going to say this again. If somebody says they're not interested, do not push it. <laughs> okay. Now, when you're having a conversation with somebody and you're getting to know them, asking them questions and genuinely listening to what they're saying and not waiting for your turn to respond is going to take you very far. It's bad enough to be on a first date and to feel nervous, but it's worse to be on a date with someone who won't stop talking about themselves. So, you know, ask your friends like, hey, what are some of my uh, greater qualities when I talk about, uh, uh, when I have a conversation with you? Do you think that I talk a little bit too much about current events and I bum everybody out? This is actually legit polling that you can do from your friends and they will tell you the truth. This, you know, if you don't really want to know, then don't ask your friends, but... I know that I sometimes can be a bit of a bummer because I read too much about COVID because I'm anxious about it. But if somebody calls me out on it, I'll be like, okay, I respect that. It's good to know these things about yourself. Lastly, oh no, not lastly, hold on. Be thoughtful. If a person that you're on a date with or you're having a conversation with on the phone mentions that they have a big presentation at work on Monday or a big audition next week, especially if you live in LA, Send them a text or an email with words of encouragement the day of that event so that they know that you were listening to them. Or ask them to chat on the phone so they can do like a debrief of the presentation. And then you can hear all about all the weird people at their work and it will just like establish a really nice foundation for you guys. Because remembering things really goes a long way. Don't remember these things just so you can get laid. Remember them so you can get to know the person because it's really fun to get to know somebody and to like learn the little into in details about them. Okay, now this is where I talk about Brene Brown. <laughs> Don't overshare. Brene Brown says using vulnerability is not the same thing as being vulnerable. It's the opposite. It's armor. If you're oversharing about something, it may make the other person uncomfortable. Authentic people build other 
they build relationships first. Oversharing and blurting out personal information is an attempt to gain intimacy very quickly. And it's a little bit of a red flag. So if you're out with somebody and they tell you, you know, their family history and family drama, the way that Eva Mendez told Will Smith about the murders, I feel like that's a little bit of a red flag. Also, just the fact that she had a serial killer in her family is a little bit of a red flag. (laughs) Okay. Communication. I'm saying it again. I'm saying it again. I know. But it's important to be clear with your intentions. This also includes what your intentions are for the future. If you're looking for just a hookup, I think it would be okay if you say, I'm just looking for something casual. If you're looking for, you know, a full-on relationship, but you're not interested in getting married, say that up front. If you're not interested in having kids, say that up front, especially because a lot of the people who are listening are now in their 30s. We don't have a lot of time to wait if that's something that we want to do, especially any cis women who want to have babies because those shits dry up fast, okay? (laughs) Last and certainly not least. Certainly have a way with words. Thanks, pal. Once quarantine is over, and you start dating in real life, or you have quarantined safely and want to spend time together, IRL, make sure that you get consent on physical advances before you go for it. I know it seems lame to ask someone if if you can kiss them or whatever, but some people really appreciate that, and it will be way less awkward than you going for it and then you being exposed as a sexual deviant later on on social media. Just saying. So those are my advice uh, points for anybody who is interested in dating um who took my advice and is working on themselves and making sure that they're their best selves before they start a relationship well awesome well uh, you know i think the the last thing to talk about with this film is how it was received critically sweet uh and so i got two reviews for you here uh, brian lowry writing for variety uh says of the film it's all rather wispy uh <laughs> which is true, and first-time screenwriter Kevin Pish struggles with the juggling act of keeping the central couple apart and bringing them back together. Uh, as in many a romantic comedy, the juiciest supporting player is Manhattan. I'm like, ugh. Uh, um, is it really? No. Um, <laughs> we don't really give a shit about the critics, but we read them anyway. Uh, and the, the, final, the final line of this review is, Just as love-seeking bar patrons tend to lower their standards as the clock approaches midnight, in these laugh-challenged times, it'll do. In 2005? Yeah. Laughed-challenged times? Yeah, well, Katrina. Um, <laughs> so uh, so um, the other review, uh, and I included it for a very, very specific reason, um, and it's, of course, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, the review opens with Hitch, you will have perceived, is not a great cinematic breakthrough. Um, depends for its appeal on the performances, and, you know, he praises Will Smith and Kevin James. But uh, last paragraph of the review is really what, what I wanted to get to. There's a purpose for a movie like Hitch, and that purpose is to supply a pleasant and undemanding romantic comedy that you can rent next Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. It's not a first-run destination especially with Bride and Prejudice and The Wedding Date playing in the same multiplex. Oh! It's not that I dislike it, it's just that it doesn't seem entirely necessary. Um, And on the one hand, I agree with Ebert that the film is not very necessary. Uh, 
I don't know if I would say Bride and Prejudice is the clear better choice between the two films. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I personally would rather watch that. Bride and Prejudice is so weird, guys. It's such it's a weird really movie. Weird. But it's really cute. And it's a musical. It's a musical. Um, and that part of it is cute. And the opening number, which is an homage to, to Bollywood numbers, is really well done, I think. And Saeed from Lost is in it. So that's cool. Ugh, we but are a pro-Saeed podcast. Also, there's a kidnapping and assault subplot that is introduced <laughs> 10 minutes before the end of the film. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the funny, it's, it's, it's a very loose interpretation of Bride and Prejudice. And that exists in... In Pride and Prejudice, I mean. Yeah. And that exists in the book, but it it's like four chapters. Yeah, it really, really doesn't work uh, in the film. <laughs> um, so, any final thoughts on the film, Nadia? Um, yeah, I have some common sense oh, media yes. reviews. Um, they're pretty funny. There were a lot more kid <laughs> reviews for this movie, which I thought was very cute. A lot of it was just a lot of people praising Kevin uh james and will smith together which i honestly i agree Be- I best part of the very, film there's no question. they're very very cute um user mom of three says lots of smiles and laughs i really enjoyed this movie but was glad i did not bring my children all under 12 one f word use in a comical way i'm kind of <laughs> i'm kind of a stick in the mud and don't laugh easily but this movie had me smiling and laughing many times will smith and kevin james make this movie very enjoyable for mature teenagers and adults I like that she called herself a stick in the mud. I thought it was a very honest review. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate of, of her, her candor, yeah. Of herself. Uh, Dudley Dad 2 says, Great! I was told that most guys wouldn't like this movie. Well, I had a great time at the movie seeing this. I thought it was hilarious and that Will Smith is the best actor since Robin Williams. Anyway, this is a great movie. That is such a strange choice. <laughs> <laughs> little did he know that will smith would play the genie in aladdin so yeah. this guy was probably stoked about that I, just, I can't just like who are your two favorite actors well obviously uh two guys <laughs> with very similar styles who take on very similar roles right robin williams in the number one spot uh and then of course will smith <laughs> Will Smith in the 1.5 spot because I can't. I have Jim Carrey as number two. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, 15-year-old Common Sense Media user says, appropriate for young teens. This movie is appropriate for teens 13 or older, maybe even younger. This movie does involve cursing, but every kid knows what bad words are, so it's not like you're introducing them to something new. I thought this was a very sweet, truthful review. Uh, the last one was cute because... It's one sentence. 16-year-old Common Sense Media user writes, Hitch is a great movie and so funny if you're a Kevin James fan because he dances and does the Q-tip. Happy face. <laughs> what move is the Q-tip? The one the, where he puts he, the Q-tip in his yeah, ear? Yeah, like he's pantomiming putting a Q-tip in his ear. <laughs> using the Q-tip? Nah, throw it away. <laughs> See, this is the part of the movie I liked. I would watch a whole montage of just Kevin James and Will Smith dancing for like 20 minutes. Yeah, well, that's very close to what is actually in the movie. (laughs) Do Um, you think we could do like one of those fan cuts of the movie and we just cut out everything else except for their scenes together? I don't know. I don't want to crowd out all the other fan cuts of Hitch that I'm sure are on YouTube. (laughs) I gotta find some. (laughs) Um, uh, just uh folks this movie uh was everywhere it is way weirder than you remember it's on netflix right now Uh, i think it's also on hulu 
Um, and then if you turn on like TBS, it's probably on right now. Yeah, it's definitely on VH1. Uh, so uh, I guess check it out if you want. But if you don't, you are missing nothing. Uh, <laughs> any other final thoughts? Um, I still respect Will Smith and I'm sad that he was sad at the Red Table Talk. You know, that's an excellent note to go out, out on. Uh, Will, <laughs> we are thinking of you. Ashwarya, we are thinking of you as well. Feel better. Uh, probably should have. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We'll see you next week. Bye. I see you searching for somebody that'll take you out and do it.